Reese showed up at one of the best times of the year. The long summer nights, the end of the semester, live sports, and beautiful blue skies. Apart from the full Korean experience that Nate showed him in the short time that he was here, we were lucky enough to sit down with him for a quick podcast to mark a time in his life where he is free. I'm sure some of the listeners have felt that before. Early 20s, different country, meeting new people, most importantly, viewing everything through a pair of Mark Brown rose-colored glasses. Have a listen as we unpack some of his travel stories and his experiences and reviews after visiting multiple professional sports stadiums. Reese, my man, very happy our paths crossed, even if only for a short time. I hope you leave the peninsula with all good memories, thoughts, and feelings. Best of luck going forward, young fella. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. All right, welcome to another episode of This Korean Life, number 102, featuring Reese Mooney, Nate's cousin, in from Barrie, Ontario. Oh, yeah. Um, swinging through, doing uh, just one stop on his Asian tour. All right, but you've been other places. Uh, I started in Japan. Yeah. Um, oh, other places in Asia or in the world? In the world, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been all over the place. Like, all right. Cool, cool, cool. Give us the Asian tour breakdown here. I know we talked a little bit at the game the other day, and you were in, uh, you mentioned there you were in Japan. And yep. I think part of the, or the focus of your travel is visiting sports stadiums. Is that not, not really. I mean, that's been the focus of some trips in the past. Okay. But this time it's just, you know, I'm going out, I'm solo, so I'm just trying to get whatever experiences i can and, cool you know if i happen to go see a game i go see a game nice so. well you got uh, you got a good experience here the other night didn't you? oh for sure for yeah sure. i think too bad you got rained out at yeah. uh, at Sajik, but i think they made up for it on uh on saturday night there was packed stadium you were saying you had one of the best views you ever, you've uh you've ever had at a game oh well it's it's not just that it's like the stadium's packed everybody's singing it's a party but because that's such a small ballpark like mm. you're all right on top of the action like it's it's just yeah. it's such an intimate experience it's like sure. going to if if somebody mixed premier league football and like minor league baseball and oh that's a good analogy yeah man. oh well done Sajik would have been great but that 85 home games or whatever is too much to to fill the seats i said to him i said like the Dusan side during the game in Busan would have been two-thirds empty is it the same thing i think once you're in that the cheering section you're just in that you don't even notice what's going on around. You're just in, and everybody's up, moving and dancing and singing. What so it would have been it would have been cool, but Sajik's a big stadium, and and probably at least a third empty. Mm. So what is like? And I think of I don't know what are major league parks like. I imagine they're half empty all the time. Ah, uh, it it depends on the it depends on the team. To be honest, like you go Oakland, Oakland's brutal. Like you know they got the Coliseum that seats fifty five thousand. And um, they close half of it for baseball games, and mm. like you know, it's falling apart. It's like fifty, sixty years old. Yeah, but on on, on average, though, I mean, people—they're not selling out thirty thousand games, play out. 84, they, no. 84 games a year. Like, but no. is it is it that they want uh, where they make bank? Maybe <clears throat> is if they do make the playoffs, and that's when they sell out, and they can. Oh, oh they can yeah, really oh yeah. But I mean, like even charge a premium and then fill every seat. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, but Boston usually sells out. Uh, Chicago, the Cubs usually sell out. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, just trying to think. You, the Rogers Center now at the renovations that they've that they've done, they're getting a lot of people, but they're still not selling out. Hmm. Um, I like I don't know the attendance numbers on <laughs> their teams. I mean, only like what 
three teams make the playoffs? Uh, yeah, so they've, they've expanded it. It's six teams from each league now, where it used to just be... It used to be five. Hmm. So the division winners and then two wild cards. Yeah, yeah. The division winners plus three wild cards. Nice. So hey, Hold on. You're, you're young. When I grew up, there was no wild cards. It was like top four, two or four teams from each. That was it. Yeah. There, there was nobody. You played all these games all year long. You knew after the first month that your season was over. <laughs> like... You basically knew after month one that you had no chance. Uh, how many stadiums have you been to now? Just baseball. Well, in general. In general, I've lost count. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Baseball. Uh, baseball, I've been to um, been to nine major league ballparks. Oh wow! Then, uh, then I was in the Tokyo Dome. Um, we went to we went to Sajik. Yeah. Rained out. So. Sure, that's uh, okay. Yeah, and I then, think you can still check it off your list. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. You never saw any games in Central America or South America. No, because um, whenever I've been to, so when I was in South America, that was in April, and then when I was in, like mm. Mexico City, I've been there twice. The first time I was there it was December, so I was not playing baseball in December. And then when I was there earlier this year, it was in January. Hmm. I think that's number three on my list is probably Korea, Japan, and then Nicaragua, Honduras, and th- th- just a little bit more Wild West than. <laughs> Little bit more gong showish than here. Not not in terms of the excitement and stuff, just the drinking and the the wildness. The, but the potential for I've only been to one mustard. MLB game. <laughs> went with Uncle Phil to a Giants game. And man, I was like falling asleep. Yeah. There's and we had great seats in the lower like I don't know, twenty rows, thirty rows up. There's nothing going on. Like compared to one of those I mean, there you feel like you're engaged all the time, or what are they singing about, or what happened, or what's the roar for? On on TSN or or Sportsnet, they'll have, like, the the sleepers in the audience, people just dozing off. But you won't see that here. I'd be be dozing off. We go to mom and dad's in Dunedin there in the winter before and go to spring training to the Jays games. Jays, Yankees, awesome. Ten bucks, fifteen bucks. And there's, like, you know, it's a triple-A park or double-A park or something. And everybody's sitting there, okay, this guy went to second, this guy got a strike. I was like, oh, my God. But it's, it, I think it's like a mental exercise for older people. And, and some guys, they, they, they keep the score sheet. Oh, they yeah. keep their own active score sheet. Brian moves to second. Pass, fast pass pitch, for, Bozo goes to first. <laughs> Two balls, whatever. And, it, I mean, just... Hmm. Don't, get me, don't get me wrong, that kind of thing is fun. But... That's not how you're going to, like, baseball has been trying to get younger fans and newer fans for years. Sure. Like, when I was, every baseball game that I've been to in the States, they're passing out scorecards with the with the programs. Mm. I didn't see that once in Japan. I didn't see it once here. Like, it's just not something you do. Because you go, and you're chanting, and you're singing, and you're cheering the whole time. You're yeah. not, you know, going there to write notes you're not going there to absolutely yeah well, it's, a, it's a party here man you had a it's couple a different experiences between the tokyo dome and here can you tell people what what they're like so the, or, the or to- comparisons to home maybe if if you've been if you've been to the sky dome with the roof closed then you've been to the tokyo dome but just the atmosphere in in japan the atmosphere in korea it's 10 times better than even the best like atmosphere i've been to for a blue jays game like mm. Uh, 2015, 2016, we had Munenori Kawasaki on the Blue Jays. Mm. 
and you know he just blew up like everybody was you know fifty thousand people chanting kawasaki yeah like that was awesome but that was for 30 seconds every yeah. time it would come up to bat other than that it was just like you know silent the normal you everybody's talking so you get that little buzz but absolutely you know no chanting i like no that singing. even if you got a 138 batting average here they're calling your name like you're oh i mean i was trying to explain before the game started like you could be down 10 runs in the in the bottom of the eighth <laughs> and get a base hit and people lose their shit like they just go bananas <laughs> like even it's if there's awesome. no hope for a rally it's just yeah yeah what a, a nice rally at the end of our uh, the end well, of there, our there, game. There too, were a man. couple. I think they had they had one going in the eighth, and then in the ninth they got a little. Bit well, they had the bases yeah. loaded early in the fourth or something, and then in the, in the ninth too. Oh, dude, couldn't oh, uh, yeah. couldn't do it though. If, couldn't seal if, the deal. If they if they just got a base hit and walked it off, that place would have fallen apart, man. No doubt. What no. did you think about the security and the the concessions? Oh. <laughs> reasonably priced beer and food reasonably priced up. for example oh you're paying like so um we got four beers for 10 bucks or the equivalent of yeah. oh, tall boys tall boys yeah and um you couldn't even get one for that back home like yeah. it doesn't matter where you're going if you want a beer it's probably like 12 to 16 dollars yeah last time like, i went to last time for, I went to for, for a little for a little tiny um for a little tiny cup. Like yeah. You're not even getting a full pint for that. Last time we went to a Jays game, we paid, I think, 20, 30 bucks for a ticket maybe. But then as soon as you walk in, like, boom, open your bag, whoosh, 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 take out all your wraps and whatever you're trying to bring in. Then you go in, dude, I spent 100 bucks on beer. It was... Uh, <laughs> I remember bringing head on to a Blue Bombers game. We had Subway before we went, and she didn't eat her whole sub, so I had like a third of a sub left. And the guy says, open your bag. And he takes out a third of an eaten sub. He says, you can't bring that in. What? What? <laughs> like, what do you, what do you mean? Oh, Meanwhile, here, they're bringing in Costco pizzas. The guy in front of me going in had a cooler. I had a backpack yeah. full of snacks and stuff for the kids and yeah. drinks, whatever. But this guy comes in. He's got a full cooler. Like, I'm like, wow, they're not checking anybody. He says, can I see in your cooler, please? And he goes, yeah, I got 15 beers or whatever. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no glass. Okay, bring your fifteen beers in. We, I saw a guy didn't barbecuing. even check my bag. I saw a guy barbecuing at Sajik. I saw the, the barbecue seats yeah. at the soccer stadium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that kind of thing blows my mind. Yeah, they like, have the camping zone, the barbecue zone. Yeah, you can't, you can't have that. I mean, and if you did, it'd be fifty bar, like fifty to one hundred dollars for a ticket at oh. least. Yeah, sure. they'd be like club premium seats, and you're paying like a stupid amount just to go watch a game there. No doubt. But what, I mean, that would be awesome. Like, who doesn't want to barbecue and watch a game? Yeah. What uh, do you have a bucket list um, the stadium that you must that you got to hit? Oh, uh, I've I've never been to a soccer game. Oh, okay, okay. Like anywhere. Okay. I'd love to go. Well, you know, see some uh, some soccer in Mexico. I'd love to go see some Premier League soccer well, or something the, in Europe. The World Cup's going to Canada. Yeah, but tickets are going to be like too expensive. Yeah, like, no you doubt. Know. Yeah, they are going to cost an arm and a leg, aren't they? Once oh, they, and, and they I just know if it's uh, anything like how sports normally are in Toronto, mm. you're going to get all the corporate seats, and it's just you know it's going to be fun. Yeah, but not even. I mean, but there's there's people who are born and raised in football countries that live there that would pay their life savings to go watch their team play. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So it's it's not just. I mean, man, I, I was there. I don't know. 25 years ago during world cup and there's there's those communities 
all over the city. The Portuguese are here, the Italians are here, the French are here. I mean, it's it's wild, and those guys will pay a fortune for tickets. They, oh yeah, that that's all they that's all they care for. From the from the stadiums that you've been to, uh, is there one that you'd recommend everyone visit at least once? Fenway, Wrigley, um, the obvious ones. Mm. What's the distinguishing features that that make it head and, uh, head and shoulders above the rest? They're just they're classic. Like you think you think of baseball and you think of Wrigley or Fenway, like the ivy, the ivy walls in the outfield yeah. in Wrigley, like the green monster. Like Absolutely. those are iconic. Yeah. Um, and then oh, an underrated one for me was really Milwaukee. Hmm. Um, you know, you the get the, the slide in uh, center field, like the outfield. Oh. Yeah. Pretend they hit a home run, the mascot sliding down. Yeah. Um, the retractable roof, like it's like a fan. Yeah. And um, when we went, it was open for a bit, and then they closed it. Mm. But, oh, man. like Good test? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Uh, good sight lines, too. But Pittsburgh's really good. Mm. Um, City Field is really cool. Nice. Uh, I get some people that don't like it, but, you know, it's basically like a more modern bigger rendition of Ebbets Field. Mm. You, you were commenting on the sight lines when we were uh, watching the game on Saturday and you're like, man, I can see everything. This is incredible. And you said, I can't remember which field you went to, but you said like, there's a goddamn pole right in the middle. Yeah, that, when was, Colon, that was Okay, when so, Colon um, was uh, the, pitching. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a, a story that I was telling you. Yeah. Um, so I went to two games in Wrigley with my dad. Mm. It was Cubs-Mets. Uh, first game, it was Jake Arrieta versus Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. And then, um, like, the second game, it was, I don't remember who was pitching, but we saw Bartolo Colon pitch. Yeah. And, um... Where's he? Had, he's he's uh, Cuban? Oh, I, I think so. The Cuban French. I think Colombian. 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 But, um, so we had one of those seats with the post blocking the view. Mm. And, um, you know, I said to my dad, I'm like, I can't see. And he's like, okay, well, we'll switch. And then, I, I, you know... I was like, well, I can see, but can you see? And he's like, yeah, I can see Bartolo Colon on this side of the post. <laughs> and the other and I can side. see him on this side of the post. <laughs> oh, for, okay. for anybody that doesn't know, Bartolo Colon, people call him Big Sexy. Yeah. And, uh, uh, oh, dude, was, he's just, he's a fridge. Oh, yeah. He's, but a, that he's was, a fridge with a with a wicked arm. That was the year that he hit a home run, and yeah. it took him like eight years to round the bases. <laughs> but everybody was like going, he, he hit it on the road. He was in San Diego, mm. and everybody's going crazy because, you know, he's just one of the most likable guys in all the sports. No doubt. Like, well, I mean, speaking of uh, of pitchers hitting home runs, Otani, yeah, he but had, like, uh, to what, 10 strikeouts and two, and two homers and... <laughs> In uh, in one game, can you uh, you have more of a, a, a wider base of knowledge in uh, baseball than I think we do, and probably most people listening? Can you speak to the the importance or the the significance of of watching Otani play and in his his role in baseball as a as a sport in Japan? Even if you're not a baseball fan, you know who Shohei Otani is. Like mm-hmm. he is on you know billboards, he's on advertisements. You're walking down the street. Like I think. He he is probably one of the like the biggest players in terms of popularity like outside of the states ever. Yeah, yeah. And then even in the states like he is an MVP caliber hitter like he is his slugging percentage his, is, he, is number he leads 1 in the, the league. league in OPS. Yeah. He like is tied for the league lead or he leads the league in home runs. Um <laughs> and crazy. 
He's Dude, like, he's incredible. In yeah. in terms of um the like the American League batting average race, like he leads the league in uh, the American League in RBIs. He leads the the American League in home runs. And last I checked, he was only like seven points in his batting average behind the leader. Yeah. So he could win the triple crown, and he's pitching like an ace. Yeah. <laughs> so like that that's not even video game numbers. That's just like stupid like yeah, i'm yeah. not even putting up these kind of numbers in in the show like but the uh, my question uh, is the other side of the spectrum why aren't there more guys like this when i grew up playing baseball the best guys were the best pitchers and the best hitters not right. not but, at the professional once, level once, but yeah that's what i'm saying so growing up you do you pitch you hit the pitchers were always the best hitters and because they were the best athletes that that's always how it was i mean your best athletes adapted and learned how to pitch faster and, and better than everybody else and they also learned how to hit fat better than everyone else between but, babe ruth and otani is there any is there anyone like that I, babe ruth was a he, he came I, into the league as a as a I, pitcher i think i think those guys are in a class of their own like um the only other people that i can think of like they might have tried it but um in terms of just pure pitchers uh zach Greinke could mash mm. uh, madison bumgarner had a mm. few home runs like yeah you know, but, but they're still they're not anywhere near no they, they weren't these guys we're, we're talking about this is consistency we're, well we're, we're it's not even that babe ruth and shohei otani are two-way players mm. like they you know pitch every five days and then when they're not pitching they're Doesn't you know they're hitting yeah, they're yeah. DHing or yeah. they're like whatever yeah but what what those guys would do is like in the national league for the longest time up until like last year or the year before pitchers would hit and then uh, Major League Baseball introduced the universal DH. Mm. Oh, the whole league is DH now? Whole league is DH now. Since when? Since, like, last year or the year before. Ah, I was going to, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh. Which, I mean, I, like, you talk to you talk so to where does well, well, where does he hit on the lineup when he's pitching? When he's he, the pitcher and the DH? Yeah, so he, he would be the DH, and he probably still hits in the, the three or four spot. Uh, but um, they, they erased the, they made universal Yeah, DH. so... Um, I don't mind it, but I still prefer, you know, having that difference. Like the American League is the DH and the National League, you let the pitchers hit. Mm. Um, but like the pitchers who would hit home runs, they're not DHing on days that they're, they're not in the field on days where they're not pitching. When they're not required to. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, Does Otani play in the field? He might once or twice, but he's primarily DH, DH. when he's hitting. Mm-hmm. Wow. So why, w- when does it segregate? Why aren't there more of these guys? Like I said, going through. I mean, because even I, in even in football, the best guys play both sides, right? But hey, one, coach, once, I'm, I'm not tired playing like well, four. You downs. specialize once you, yeah. Like once you get in in the states, it's once you get into high school, you you pick like okay. But but hold on, what like, what then, coach then, is saying you cranked homers last year? Now I just want you only pitching. No, I don't understand it, that but, part of like, it. You, uh, if you want to get to the higher levels and be the best, you have to. I think a lot of the focus is you have to pick one and master that one thing. Yeah. Unless you're like a Shohei Otani, where you're just great at both. Because yeah. if somebody yeah, is, I, that's uh, that's somebody, where I don't know. But if somebody is like a generational talent in both, you're not going to be like, hey, pick one. Uh, but my question is, pick, how many yeah. guys have been convinced out of? Hey, no, no. Listen, you're a pretty good pitcher. Your hitting's decent, but. Let's just focus on pitching. Oh, okay. This is what I have to do. My agent told me. My coach told me. Can you make? The- but what if they kept? What if they kept going? It's almost like saying like you played the PP your whole life and now you can't play the PK. 
until some coach says you're good enough for the PK, then you start playing it. What one's if, offense, one's defense. One's throwing, one's hitting. Could you say like? Uh, but you grow up doing that. No, no. But could you say in hockey, like you're a goalie, you're you're the backup goalie and left wing. Uh, I, like, <laughs> that's that's a bit of a getting hundred mile an hour slap shots like, in the face. It, I, I think I think I think like a better analogy would be like okay, you playing more, singles and doubles. You're, and you're like. Mm. Um, our best wide receiver, you're getting all these targets, you know, yeah. yards after catch, all this stuff. But you're also, you know, our big cornerback, defensive back. Like, sure. Yeah. Like, you're you're out there on offense. But there's more crossdowns. But there's more crossover skills there where you need you need to be agile. You got to be quick. Whereas I think swinging and, and pitching are two totally yeah, but different it's, things. It's, but every but other guy it does it. Right? Yeah. Like an outfielder throws the ball and he hits. Right. Everybody, everybody right. else does. Yeah. But what's the only thing for a pitcher is they wear out their arms and they don't want them getting hurt. But I don't get when you start saying, okay, pitchers suck at hitting. They don't tell a left fielder to stop hitting. Historically, though, pitchers' batting averages are but that's among what, the that's worst. That's what I'm saying. I think it's groomed out of them. Did you play Did you play minor league ball, like little no. league? <laughs> I played t-ball when I was five. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Growing up, the, the, the quarterback... The best guy on the hockey team, the guy shooting an 82 at the golf course, and the pitcher and, and home run hitter was all the same guy. I mean, those were your your best guys. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but I, I again, the, as you get up, as you get up to the top, yeah, I think the competition stiffens. You want to double down on whatever you do, on whatever you're doing well, right? If you you don't want to take away from your pitching time, but you pitch whole, once every five days, man. There, there's a but there's a whole bunch. Once you're in the show. There's a whole bunch. Well, no, even, even in like minor league baseball, college ball stuff, even yeah. high school ball, people are taking that more seriously now. Mm. Like but you're sitting around for a week. Yes. Yeah, like, hey, coach, maybe I can try hitting because this Reese guy sucks. He's only gotten two hits <laughs> in the last ten games. Yeah. Let, let Let me try. I mean, I hit twenty homers last year in maybe high school. Injury, maybe is a. Well, that's what it's I wonder. A concern. Like, you don't want people needing Tommy John when they're 18, 19. Yeah. That's what I wonder if it's analytics on. The percentage of injuries, or but, which is why Watani's so crazy, is that he's masterful of both, and he's not, you know, he's not injured. But like you were saying earlier about um, all the outfielders throw the ball, infielders throw the ball. Well, like you put an infielder or an outfielder on the mound, like it's it's totally different when you have to throw it in a straight line to the like you know. Sure, but we see this like, and and, and football is a good example when they do their trick plays and. You know, Johnny throws a forty-yard touchdown pass. Like, well, he played QB in college for three years. Yeah. Okay, like they, they can. It's 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 all part of it. Like, yeah. the, okay, the the offensive lineman, three hundred and fifty pounds, is not going to be, you know, your running back. But yeah, Wait, the wide receiver, the quarterback, these guys can all interchange. It's not that they're bad. It's that other people are better. Yeah, I yeah. think I, that's that's what it is. It. Yeah, because the yeah. because a pitcher can hit, but a hitter is only hitting. Well, yeah, but, but dude, the, when you look at seven, eight, nine in the hitting order, I mean, the, the averages are awful. Well, what was they're the, awful. The, the worst guy on the on the Giants the other day was hitting like two twenty four. Yeah. Like that's that's passable if you're hitting sub two hundred. That's bad. Mm. But two twenty four is it's fine. You're going like on average one for four. Yeah, like one, you're that's amazing hitting, that one for game. four is professional. <laughs> it is no, I, I, yeah. but that, that that's the art of base is. It's, it's same in the in the major leagues too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, like um, basketball's similar. I mean, nobody nobody's shooting over 30 percent on average. Hmm. I mean, you get a couple guys up there forty, fifty, but not often. 
but it's a it's a game of failing. No doubt. You think you're hitting one out of every whatever thirty pitches or something? Holy man! What do you think of the pitch clock? I like it. I yeah. like it. How is it? Uh, how's it changed? You you've been watching baseball for a while now. You yeah. Said you, uh, yeah. Like, um, do you find it, it was that implemented to? Speed um, it up. Yes. Keep people it, interested. Exactly. No one wants to sit there for four But I mean, hours. for the young, you said they're trying to get young generation yeah. kids in. That's yeah, because... Um, what's the violation? What do you, what if, do you, you if you... Ball. So, uh, if, if, the, ball. if the pitch clock is exceeded because of the pitcher, then it's an automatic ball. Hmm. If the batter's, like, you know, taking his time too much in the box, then it's an automatic strike. Oh, oh I didn't know that one. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Because there's a few of those clowns, too. Yeah. 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 If you ever, if you ever seen someone get beaned twice and then the pitcher walks up and bows to him, like on Saturday, <laughs> no, that, was, that was so like oh, takes you, off you, his you head. Be, you beaten somebody twice in uh, in North America? Oh, they oh, charge you the mound yeah, faster. No you doubt. can say, whoa, 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 let no me doubt. bow real quick. <laughs> no doubt. Oh man, like that was that was awesome. Um, what about uh, you've been? I don't know if you were. We we're talking on Saturday. I don't know if it was you. Or your parents have been to some like historical games. Uh, no, that was my that was my dad, and oh, my okay, mom. Okay. So I was born in Seattle in yeah. two thousand one. Yeah, and um, my my dad went to a few games. Uh, so he showed me pictures of he went to the first game after nine eleven, like in oh, Seattle. Wow, and. Um, you know, my my like my dad's the one that's like, oh yeah, this is all. My mom's like, yeah, I was there, but she doesn't really like, yeah. Um, and then they also went to the game where um, the Mariners tied the American League single season wins record with one sixteen. Oh, and that was also the game that, um, or no, it was it was same year. Randy Johnson exploded in, the in, bird. Well, in the preseason. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> Dude, that'll never happen again. Oh, no. That'll I, never happen again. I think, I think it did, like, a few seasons ago. No. Someone murked another bird? Yeah. Oh. yeah. That Johnson one is legendary. Oh, yeah. And then Dave Winfield, too. Dude, he just got that big-ass sidearm, just whoop. Boom! And you and see a poof of feathers. Randy Johnson threw heaters, so you know oh, there was the, the, the he bird. Was, he was 100, did, 203, oh, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, like the oh. bird just exploded. Oh, there was yeah. no chance. But oh. um, so same year as so the, those other two games preseason. Mm. Um, a Rod just signed with Texas the year before. Yeah, he's coming in. People are throwing monopoly money on the field because he just signed like a massive. What was it? It seems so cheap now, but it was like fifty million dollars or something. Like he signed I mean, like when he signed with the Yankees, with, with the Rangers, it, it, it had to be like three hundred and fifty or something. Okay, but I remember his big his big signing with the Yankees, like the monumental. It was huge. It was like fifty two million. Everyone's like, "Whoa, it's way too much." And oh. that was over five years or ten years. Now we're talking about Otani. Oh, he's, he's going to oh. sign for five. He's going to sign a five hundred million. No, I like I heard somebody. So I read a tweet. Somebody said, um, "Yeah, I was talking to an anonymous executive, and I I told him he's probably going to get thirteen years, five hundred and fifty million dollars." And they said, "And yeah. the, the the guy was like, no, that's too low.' Yeah, I I think we're going to see something in the neighborhood of like ten, eleven years for like six hundred, six fifty plus million dollars." Sure. Is playing? his team good? The Angels. Yeah. They have two of the best players alive right now, but they're well, I don't think Yankees, Why don't the Yankees go Trout? for this guy? 
Yeah, Trout. Trout mm. and Otani. Mm. I feel bad for Trout, man, because he's like he's not wasting his career away, but he's dead. Like he's close to it. Mm. Why don't the Yankees or Red Sox, the typical guys who would just go and scoop these guys up, why don't they step in? Uh, you gotta wait till free agency, and uh, yeah, because the Angels aren't gonna trade these guys away. Who's the guy that looks like Super Mario that pitches for uh, for New York? Oh, uh, Nestor Cortez. Cortez, yeah. yeah. Dude, oh yeah, he's. I love that guy. Oh yeah. He Where did mustache socks ones or mustache cleats? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where did the appreciation from for baseball come from? My dad. We, I mean, baseball is not the number one sport in Canada, and and I think. You could argue basketball has taken off, and we got so many good guys now in the NBA that basketball is right up there. But baseball, I mean, everybody plays t-ball a little bit, a little league, but then it kind of just fades yeah, away. Yeah, but like, so my dad, baseball was his sport when he was younger. So like, he played um, minor league ball, and when he he would go to games all the time, and he would like, there's a tabletop baseball game you play with dice and. The cards have like a bunch of numbers and stuff on it. He played that in the sixties and then all all through high school and then took a break and then introduced me to that and it kinda that got me into thinking of baseball as like, you know, strategy and not just, you know, a game that you play. Oh my god, there's the more yeah. I, yeah. Just within the past few years I've realized that like, oh there's so much more than oh, just oh, yeah. throwing like, and hitting. <laughs> it's it's chess on grass. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, and then in the 90s, he would cover the Ottawa Lynx, the AAA team for Rogers in Ottawa. Cool. So he was, uh, you know, doing the play-by-play and stuff. And then oh, he would nice. go down to the field and do the on-field interviews and stuff. Oh, after. cool. And, you know, he's, he's interviewed Chipper Jones and, uh, yeah. like, a bunch of other guys Read that have come through. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah. but oh, That's awesome. Sports in general, like my dad, big hockey guy, too, mm. uh, got me into CFL football. Nice. Um basketball and baseball and stuff so you know a lot of my knowledge and stories and experiences and sports i got through him come so. to the old man cool yeah and he wrote a book he did what what kind of book uh just a, an amalgamation wild of nights and crazy days and wild nights that's about his time no so it's just um a bunch of just crazy stories from the world of sports oh cool just, um there was like dollar beer night in cleveland he writes about that there was a uh, what about the I've seen oh was it the Pittsburgh was it the Steelers that uh, they were all out doing blow the night before the is that a famous oh. was it the Steelers they were all out partying I know the Lakers were notorious the, I, I think the Steelers too it might have been on the on that cocaine Cowboys documentary when he said he was selling to all the he was selling to all the Pittsburgh Steelers like the day before the Super Bowl, and then they went out and won the next day. That I think it was yeah. for success. Yeah, <laughs> but well, I mean, hey, yeah. um, oh, Dennis Rodman's got some great ones too. Fly to Vegas with yeah. Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. party all night, come back. Yeah, yeah. Grab fifty rebounds. Oh yeah, <laughs> win a championship, no sleep. When, when he when he <laughs> took that break during the in the middle of the finals to go to Vegas, and uh, then came back and dropped like a 30 rebound game oh dude it's incredible we're never gonna see another guy like dennis rodman in the league for sure like but i I just love how i don't know as a how many guys are friends with kim jong-un as a (laughs) did you you hear that you must have heard the rogan interview when he like with rodman no 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 with billy corgan of the smashing pumpkins who's good friends with rodman being from chicago right and he said him and dennis were so close during the bulls run 
and he said he hadn't met him in years and they were at, they ended up being at the same restaurant and the the waiter knew they were friends he went up he's like oh dennis is here so they went and they met and they're having drinks and dinner or whatever and rodman's like yo man i gotta take a piss fuck doesn't come back he goes and that wasn't out of character for dennis just to to leave and not come back he goes i swear to god i woke up in the morning and the thing on the news is dennis rodman is in north korea he didn't mention. He said they were they were drinking all night. Didn't 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 whisper a word of it. <laughs> oh, that's a, oh, that's a great great story. Oh, man. that's awesome. As a as a young fan, I was I loved the Bulls when I was younger, and I used to think these guys were like not doing any crazy shit, especially in, in big games. Because oh. as a young fan, you're like, oh man, you guys gotta make sure. You're, I was thinking like, you gotta go to bed early. You guys got a big game tomorrow. Well, Rodman's out crushing. Yeah, but even right now in the hyper focused. Uh, world of sports, Ovechkin's sucking back Dr. Pepper's on the bench. Oh, oh, that's oh yeah, or whatever. Phil, Phil Kessel, the newest Iron Man. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like uh, Diet Coke or, or Pepsi or whatever. It's but Gretz, I never, knew, the hot I never dog. knew. I never knew Gretz. That's uh, Phil Kessel's the hot dog guy eating hot dogs out of the cup. Oh, dude! <laughs> no, didn't. So, I was it the Leafs coach told him like he can't. You, you can't. You gotta stop drinking coke yeah, and eating hot dogs. Me. He's like, he's like, no, I'm not playing for you. Oh, oh yeah, hilarious. yeah. But I never knew Gretz was was pounding cokes at break and uh, in between periods and stuff. Oh, who was it? Like, there were a couple of Russian guys. Mm-hmm. I think I heard Sergey Zubov in between like the intermissions and stuff. He had his own room where he would just go and smoke darts in between periods. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. That, yeah. Like that was standard probably until the nineties. Yeah. That I remember working at the gardens in Thunder Bay and half the team would come out and smoke. Half the team would come out and smoke in between periods. <laughs> and that was you know, that was the Colonial League. That would that was the second farm team of the Senators. So yeah, it was that that was pretty prominent i'd say back then but the best player in the history of the game by miles was crushing diet cokes at intermission two diet cokes you say in between periods quote and score three four more points and to think now of guys who are you know every muscle and joint in their body is accounted for by a specialist and i mean they won't even get within a thousand points of them it's crazy so back to the the argument of of having the uh, of having the smartwatch. Sometimes I think the over analysis and whatever is too much. You know, sometimes it, think about too. Even if you if you're running in the morning or whatever, and you got like a little um, a little pain in your Achilles or something, that might get picked up by um, you know by one of those sensors. Like no, no, you got to rest it, got to rest it. But if, I don't know, that's what it does. That's what yeah. Polly will say that they. They say, hey, you're not ready to go. Your left foot's putting out 20 pounds more pressure than your right foot. Something's wrong. What are you doing? But that's also how wow. that's also how that's how they extend careers. Some too. guys have gotten busted. We had a buddy back home who crashed an ATV and he was boozed up and he played for the Leafs and he told him he went and had surgery on his own or whatever because he didn't want to ruin his contract. He went and had private surgery and stuff, paid for it, everything. <sighs> went back to camp and they were like, Something's off here. You're, you, you don't have the same output in both legs. What's wrong? Like something must have happened. You know, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, mm. how how can it be so different then? Something's wrong. Here. <laughs> must have slept <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and, and then it comes back, and you find out. And and that's what those things are for. To you know, uh, so everybody wants to, everybody wants to play. Yeah, if it's the playoffs, yeah. nobody looks at it. But well, if if they say how are you feeling, oh, I'm good, and you go, 
well, you say you're good, but you're not good. Like it's it's showing you're not good. So uh, I'd like to see that more more of a focus on on brain. On yeah. uh, you know, are you are you dizzy? Are you oh, seeing stars? Hear, yeah. Hearing hearing stories about um, like the lack of concussion care, even in the '90s, and like you know, major junior hockey, '90s still, '90s, '80s, still, still, yeah, true. But I mean, like you're Who, if, the fight, Bugard, Bugard, and those guys said. Why does Crosby get to go and do this? And my treatment is like a hundred years behind what Crosby gets. Crosby gets a concussion tomorrow. He's in whatever West Virginia at the Institute of Head and whatever, and he's doing all this stuff. But you know, Ryan Reeves gets a concussion, and they just go, "Oh, he's he can handle it." Have a diet coke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's still it's awful to this day. And Dan Carcillo, and there's a whole bunch of guys that'll speak out on it, but. The league, I, I'm just surprised that the Players Association doesn't put more pressure on the league to do more about it. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Like, that's your life. Yeah, and you get concussed, you know. Oh, I mean, that, and that, Crosby, Crosby's one major concussion from being done. I mean, he's not, if he got a major concussion next year, I, th- I think he'd be done. Yeah. And he's not, he still has probably, he was top 10 in scoring this year. Oh, for sure. Like, he's, he's still a great player. But he's, he's had, he's had his bell rung. Yeah, I, I, I'm shocked at how some people are more susceptible to it than others too, right? Of getting uh... and and another story on that. Katie Weatherston played with my brother growing up in Thunder Bay. Was on the national team, went to the Olympics. She got a concussion, and Hockey Canada kind of pushed her away, pushed her away, pushed her away, and she's still feeling the symptoms now. Like she still has daily symptoms. Oh, wow. and she's just recently, like like last year or the year before, come back to fight Hockey Canada and say, hey. You know, if you say now you should do this for these people, what about me? Mm. Like I came and you pushed my case to the side and told me here's a thousand bucks or something. A thousand bucks for lifelong head problems doesn't sure. do anything. Yeah. Or twenty thousand or thirty it doesn't do anything. So yeah, yeah, it's it's still a huge, huge issue. Let's pivot here and get into the travel stuff. Sounds good. When do yeah? Well, what's the what starts it? What what gets the? Is it looking at uh, at cousin Nate over here? Uh, traveling around the world what uh did you have itchy feet you're tired of yeah tired of barry ontario well i mean so um grew up in barry moved away to um bala for a summer mm. when i was in uh like after i graduated high school mm. and um then i went to north bay for three years mm-hmm. uh, maybe, hold on maybe take us back maybe we can get into this gen z stuff too <clears throat> you graduate high school no intention of university, or no, I, like, were you I was persuaded a, out of it, or no, I was I was accepted and stuff, and it was what I wanted to do. And then, uh, like right before I moved to Muskoka um, for the summer, I was like, I don't really know if this is something I want to do, so I just kind of went into it um, like half-assed, and you know, there's something happened in April that kind of you know that was, uh, and then basically I just kind of went in, didn't care about school, didn't care about this and that, so. Mm. Uh, dropped out, and then went so back. you entered. You entered uni. I I entered uni. And you were what? Eighteen? Seventeen? Yeah. Oh, uh, late late birthday. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start yeah, September. Yeah, okay. If you're the late guys, you're seventeen. Yeah. yeah. Which seems yeah. crazy young. Like we talked about that the other day. <laughs> Dude, I I started eighteen. It was like, how did I get through? I yeah. can't believe I didn't <laughs> drop out. That's totally understandable. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we you talked about like uh, the English usually do a gap year. <laughs> You guys from England, they'll go travel or whatever, and that—I mean, you—you you know now. Volunteer work. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. a- anything except high school to to university. I, I, I almost <laughs> think it should be a, a policy that you take a year off unless you're hyper focused and know exactly what you want. Yeah. Like, take the year off, and if they say, "Oh, you won't go back," you'll get out of it. You'll enjoy it too much. No, you will. Hey, well, if you enjoy it too much, then then you're enjoying your life. Yeah. If you run out of money or something, you think I need a job, then maybe you'll go to university. But maybe you'll start a trade. Maybe you'll start something did you, else. Did you have the feeling of like you don't want to waste time and you just want to get that shit out of the way and then um like get school out of the way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. A little yeah. bit. I was just like, well, um, because I felt the pressure of like you have to figure out what you want to do when you're like sixteen, seventeen. You don't like, know. God damn! Oh, but what unbelievable! Is, what is, what is the, what is the counseling out? and stuff like these days? Like, I think when I was in grade twelve, <laughs> I think we had like twenty minutes each of counseling on you going to university. I mean, it it might be it might be good, but I the, I had resources and I didn't use them because I was oh. a little stubborn and I was like, you know, hey, I don't I don't need help. Like, yeah, yeah, and um, so I if I could do it over again, I'd you know, use the, the counseling and, you know, actually put some thought into it instead of just, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's everyone. Don't worry. Oh, for sure. But that, that was part of the whole transition to university one. I don't know. Is that in Ontario? University one? No, no. It's like, only Manitoba. Just, yeah. So it was, was, a, I don't need fact checking on these, but it, it was a, a very high amount of, of students a majority of students changed their majors after first year and they couldn't transfer the majority of the credits to their new to their new major yeah. whatever it was and they said well let's just make an open year in first year if you know what you want you want to go into sports science you can take a focused approach but it it wasn't good everyone's like no one more year is crazy and five years for bad said no still four years the first year is just open and you explore a lot of different areas yeah and then you declare your major in your second year. All, all it means is that you would, if you knew what you wanted, you'd have more electives in your mm. chosen field than someone who didn't. Someone who didn't was free to take electives from a whole bunch of different areas. And, and I believe the results after this were dramatic in, in that people had varied experiences. And now they thought, okay, now I, I want this. And they went and did it. Yeah. Well, um, talked about the, like the open courses, uh, they, they do have things like that, like pre-med, pre-health sciences or whatever. So it's like a more specialized, um, generalization track. Yeah. It's like you go in and you, you'll do a little bit of this health course. You'll do a little bit of this one, a little bit of this one, a little bit of nursing, a little bit of dentistry or whatever, a little bit of anesthesiology, a little bit of this. Yeah, and then afterwards, it's like a one-year program, then you go into what you want to do. Okay. And, um, but yeah, like, I was doing co-ops and stuff in physio clinics when I was in grade 11, so mm. this was something that I was on the track to do. Mm. And then something pivoted, and I was like, I don't really know if this is what I want to do for, well, like, good for 20, you for 30, step- 40 years. Good for you for like, stepping out, man. A lot oh, of yeah. people get stuck in that... Uh, in that rutted path there and don't want to, you know, oh, I've already done it for two years. Fuck, I might as well yeah. What is the next 40. You know? What is the perception of the co-op? Um, I, I don't, I mean, co-op seems like something I would have loved doing. Well, and I, and I, I did never do a co-op, but now my nephews are doing them and, you know, they love it. They're not study guys necessarily, or, or they like some study, but they like the hands-on. And they both, Ethan and Nolan, both did it at, uh, with an electrical company and they love it. 
and now they're they're starting their licenses and then i mean why isn't is the co-op have a negative i think when i went it was like no no, that's easy and it doesn't do anything for you if you want to go to university you don't need the co-op the co-op was kind of like well we got we got sold the university dream like if you want a job you better go to university and, and i think the <laughs> I co-op think a lot of, a lot of i think the co-op wasn't conducive to to getting into a good university or whatever you didn't need it take more math and sciences or something I mean, the but, co-op was go right to work after but well, what was, which was which was looked well, okay, down upon for some so reason but you, yeah. like co-op if you take it in grade 11 or 12 like it's not always you go right to work after mm-hmm. like one of my closest friends he is still at the job that he did his co-op with yeah electrical but, or plumbing or what uh, mechanic mechanic yeah yeah but i what is the perception of co-ops at home now are they more popular because i think trades are more acceptable now more yeah, welcomed you, you can do it doesn't have to be a trade you can do a co-op at like an office job or something mm. but you're basically just an unpaid intern like you're grabbing coffee you're just sure, observing yeah. but but i think that's a hugely valuable experience oh, for but, sure like i mean but this I is what i mean like is it is it pushed to take co-ops do what i mean in general did all your buddies do co-ops or only like a quarter of them no I'll because do- when i went to school <laughs> all, i don't all know how many buddies. guys did co-ops but all of my buddies did co-ops but uh you know they all picked ones where they could just fuck around. And, um, <laughs> and like, I was like, okay, well, this is what I want to do. So I went and actually went and found, like, a clinic that would take on a high school student. And, I mean, obviously, I'm not doing the procedures, but um, I've learned how to keep records and, you know, just what the day-to-day life of a clinic Imagine a guy is. on Wall Street like, who wants to be a trader if he went know? and job shadowed for a, a week. I mean, it would scare the bejesus out of him, like... I don't think people have the an accurate perception of what work is and what jobs are, and I think oh yeah, co-ops like, kind of facilitate that. Even even if um, even though like I'm not going to pursue that anymore, like that day to day experience of going in and you know seeing how an office runs that's invaluable. Like you can take that and apply it to so many other places. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, just see the the day to day how people are. How, you know, life, for me, life outside of school, it was weird taking, uh, you know, when you're 18 and you're able to, to call in sick to school by yourself. And you, like, you, you drive around the city and you're like, oh, this is what happens during the day. You know, it, like, it just, your your blinders are kind of taken off. Oh, yeah. Like, good times. I, I love I love those memes where it's like, that nobody, that unemployed friend at 2 a.m. on a 2 or 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah. And it's just like some guy standing by the beach just staring at like, huh? <laughs> this, this is what they did. What uh, second half of grade 12? Are all your buddies focused on university and applications oh, and God, no. stuff? Or is everyone talking about travel I'm, or just living off mom and dad? I'm, the only, one of, I'm the only one of my friends that went to college. Like, my high school friends, I'm the only one out of them that went to college. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, but they didn't want to take that route, which is fine. Um, like I said, one of my buddies stayed with his co-op job mm. and just does that paid now. Um, another buddy of mine, uh, he was working in Zares for, like, five years. So, Zares is, like, a grocery store in Canada. Yeah. We got him in Niagara. Yeah, yeah. Well, but what, they, what, they, they what about, benefits in, what about in general, overall? Overall, like, everybody was focused on going to university, getting their grades up for applications and stuff. But yeah. Um, But for me, like I did summer school programs and stuff in different places around uh, Ontario. Mm. And um, so I had enough credits to graduate at the end of first semester of grade 12. Oh, nice. So I, I had a meeting with the the principal 
And he was like, we can't, we can't just like not have you come in because that makes you a part-time student and it's like a tax thing, insurance thing. Mm. So I was like, okay, what's the minimum amount of classes that I can take? I picked food and nutrition. Sweet. And I picked kinesiology. <laughs> so food and nutrition, I think I've maybe showed up to like 60% of the classes. And I still pass like a 75. Just enough to, like, cause just enough I, to squeak by. I mean, like 75, that was my average. Like, mm. in, I was never an A student, but, mm. you know, yeah. Cool, man. So uh, where where do we go here? Do you, you end up going to college? You said, oh, not for me right now. What what uh, sparks the, the travel? How do, um, we, how so do we decide fast, to buy our, our first plane ticket? So there, there's still like a three-year difference because I was 18 when I dropped out. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right now. So um, COVID happened. Everyone has to move back home. Um mm. The girl that I was dating at the time, she was still in college. So um, we moved back for a few months. And then August of 2020, we're moving back up to North Bay, stay there for about three years. Yeah. And um, so I just found a job in a kitchen, worked there the entire time we were living in North Bay. When, when was this? 2020? 20, yeah, so 2020 to 2022. So you went there when Corona started? Yeah. So traveling wouldn't even enter your mind? If- no, not at that time. Plus, like, my focus was just I have to pay rent and, like, groceries and stuff. And, yeah. You know, but, and then cooking food. Like, that's another thing that I thought I wanted to do. And then, like, you know, the Working kitchen. In the kitchen, like, this is goddamn stressful. Oh, well, it's, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't stressful. I, I love it because, yeah. you know, it's you're having heated conversations about politics while you're putting out pad ties or whatever. Uh, nice. Like you were in a Thai place, uh, Asian fusion. Asian it's kind of like the, his little mom and pop shop. Cool. So they did everything from like, you know, Thai, uh, Chinese, um, a little bit of Korean. Nice. Yeah. Cool. 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 But then, um, then, then from my perspective, like things started to stagnate and then I was like, yeah, I'm done waiting around. So I actually called, uh, Marcus and um he was like yeah so nathan told me of an open invitation to go to korea anytime just let him know and figure it out nice so that night i started planning my trip to europe because i was like well flights are a little bit cheaper and like i want to go somewhere that's different enough but still similar (laughs) for my first time so and i think like that's one of the biggest pieces of advice but i'll get into that later but and then moved back with my parents and traveled Europe for two months, and and yeah, beautiful. How did you How did you go about that? What kind of budget were you on? I think I did a two months in Europe for about forty five hundred. Pretty reasonable with yeah. with plane ticket and everything. Plane yeah. tickets and everything. Like, oh, I, I think a lot of young people's misconceptions that I don't have money. I don't have money. Forty five hundred bucks is nothing. Yeah, at twenty bucks an hour minimum wage. I mean, if if you're living at home, you should be able to save that up in no time. Oh, for sure. Well, that's um, this trip. I'm doing it about seven. 7k and it's three months but it's basically like roughing it like you're staying in hostels you know listen cheap food this cheap is drinks. not roughing it this isn't rough I, this isn't I, ru- this isn't roughing it but like wait until you get into africa and, <laughs> and southeast asia and, and central america and some other places before we're roughing it yeah the uh this is lu- luxury in it oh for sure, for sure. <laughs> i i 
Yeah, I, I can't imagine saying I went backpacking across America and I was roughing it. I mean, what, like, what would that mean? Like, well, it's, had a it's, tent it's, with mosquitoes? <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, but you can always find someone who has it more rough, but maybe compared to your, your daily existence in Canada, it is definitely roughing it. Well, I right? yeah, yeah. Definitely. God, that makes me sound like a baby now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, uh, no, not at all, man. Just, uh, I think made, the, roughing made, it, the roughing it part of it is that there's no one to take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like, that's, I I mean in terms of accommodations and, oh, and transportation yeah, 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 yeah. and stuff like no no at, you know in Europe and and this part of Asia at least the north you you have reliable transportation there's police that are mostly not corrupt there's there's rules but you'll see here once you, once you get into Thailand and stuff it's getting a little bit wilder oh a yeah. little bit rougher <laughs> um, but. But more fun. Like, that's what I thought I liked about traveling is, you know, grandpa, grandma, mom, dad, they grew up in a lot more open and liberal society than we did. And, you know, oh, drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I discovered through, like, uh, you know, half of Southeast Asia. So it's kind of like living in the past. And you can see what your country's like or what you can imagine here, what it's going to be like in in 10 years because that's what's like in your own country yeah you say oh thailand's gonna be like this and it's gonna change and change yeah and that's why i want to go to the crazy countries first yeah because they change the fastest i mean let's be honest paris isn't gonna change i mean there's nothing changing there over over 20 30 years but you go to botswana there's a whole different story I mean, is that so, next on the bucket list? No, the stands. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta survive the stands you gotta first. Oh, <laughs> the stands. Um, uh, two months. You went to a lot of places in two months. Yeah, I think I went to. So I started in Ireland, then I went to Northern Ireland, then I went across to the Netherlands, then down to Belgium, across to Hungary, Czech Republic, back to Hungary. Um, then you Croatia. found a girl there. Is that why? No, I just oh, okay. cheap accommodations like you know 300 bucks for three weeks like oh wow yeah that's pretty cool uh nightclub was free drinks were like beer was for like a dollar you get a bottle of wine for a dollar like sweet public transportation's 50 <laughs> cents <it>. like <laughs> oh yeah um so then back to hungary then croatia um italy switzerland luxembourg back to belgium over to we want a korean bus tour <laughs> Were we on a Korean bus tour? No. 17, 17 countries in four days? Oh, uh. oh, the first week I was there, it was literally like six countries in seven days. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was crazy. But um, one of my childhood dreams was, when I'm older, I want to go and wake up every morning in a different country. And that's what I did. Wow. So, wow. Dreams can come true. Oh, for sure. That's for awesome, sure. man. Like, so how, how do you... <laughs> I thought of this question a long time ago. <laughs> One, how do you determine how long to spend in a place? Or, like that's it, that seems too much. Like like you said, the Korean bus tour there, you you go two nights, three days, and say you went to all of Japan there or something. Huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> so I know time to go to the bathroom. How'd you go to so many places? It's it's a little different. Like so, this trip I'm looking more at um, length of time versus experience. When I was in Europe, I was just like, yeah, I want to get as much in as possible. And now it's just like, okay, I don't need to go to like 50 different places in a day. I don't need to, I don't need to rush through. And I just want to take Europe's different because I mean, some of the countries are fairly small and you, you can get around fairly easy. But oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I found this in all different times of my trips. But uh, what is the, 
goal? What is the purpose of, of the places that you choose to go to? Is it like when you say Northern Ireland, Ireland, Belgium? Like, what is the um? So, how can I get to the next place as cheaply as possible? You, you, oh, okay. I think yeah. you're throwing darts at the but, at the map. No. But no. what about what about um, what about like enjoy the place first? Oh, I had a fantastic time in Dublin, and I was there for one night. But like, <laughs> you know, I I drank Irish whiskey, I drank Guinness, I got absolutely smashed. But I mean, that's, you know, that's what okay. I wanted to do when I was in Ireland, so I did that. And then Beautiful. the next day I went on to Belfast, did the same thing. And like, everyone, everyone's got different travels. Though. 100%. 100%. But, but I wonder if this, I'm trying to find if it's a demographic thing. Cool. So my, being around the bush, the question is, is it a country counting thing? Kind of. Because... But- Typically, in my experience, the young guns are out there to say, I went to 72 countries blah, 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 like, in 73 days. But like, that's not that's not. No, that, that's, so that, that that's what I that's my question. Or that's what I wonder. Like, are you out there? Did, and do you think of it differently now? Because my first big trips were were two years and, and it was just stay in a place until it wears out. Yeah. And when it's not fun, go to the next one. But I never want to be bounded by time. Where I have to be here because I got to be there to catch this train to get there because I booked, like you're you you said okay I just booked Kuala Lumpur, Bangkok and Singapore and I was like, wow that would just give me stress thinking I have to be here I have to be here I have to be here. But but the thing is is um, so when I landed in Tokyo yeah. I already had the flight to Korea booked, and that's part of for me anyways that's part of the the fun is like I'm landing here and I know I have to get here at a certain time. Hmm. But aside from that, I can go, you know, up to the north and then back down somehow, sure. or I can go anywhere. And, and it, then- it, it, it gets the fire lit under your ass, dude, not to waste any time. <laughs> I'm sure. not going to do it tomorrow. But, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, yeah, but it's still three days of hangovers is going, oh, I only got four days left and I got to be there. <laughs> eh. Oh, like there's a five-hour <laughs> bus ride and you're absolutely like... Oh jeez! But I don't think anybody's <laughs> ideal trip is one day in Ireland. No, well, but but that being said, if you only had one day, everybody would take it. Yeah. So, um, going back to what you were asking before, now I look at it differently because now I'm not like, oh, I want to go as many places as I can. Now I'm like, I if I spend like two days here, yeah, I've been here, but have I really been here? Like that's and that that's yeah. my perspective. Like you come here. Okay, now you can say you understand Korea. I mean, you get to talk to my kids. You get to see how we go to work and come back and, and travel. And you've you've seen. And in Japan, you've seen it a little bit different way, but you've you've experienced it after a month. That that's why I said like, what's the goal or the objective? And everyone's different. The, those British guys on Gap Year, I mean, <laughs> it's wild. They do. They say I'm going around the world, and you're like, wow. But they're all on the exact same trip: Sydney, L.A. New York, yeah, New York, Paris, uh, Milan, m- m- no, South Africa, uh, Tokyo, Japan, back mm. to the UK, and they're all on the ex- almost almost the exact same ticket. And then it's you know, oh, I've been going around the world, and I only got one month left. Where have you been? Are these four cities. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but even I mean, yeah, <clears throat> you're. I don't know, man. There's a, it's hard to evaluate anything because you could if, you you could spend a month here just getting shit faced every night, oh. and I wouldn't say that you had a good Korean experience. Well, you know? I mean, that's what I did. That's what I did in, in Hungary. I mean, we found a club that was open until six a.m. with mm. no cover, and you know, smuggle beers in. Like, you know, you get tall. You said cans. they were a dollar. 
<laughs> oh, oh, not in the club outside. The club. Outside, I, I, I got mean, you. Oh, in the club, you're paying. You're still like five, six bucks, but okay. it's still cheaper than anywhere else. Sure. Yeah. So, like, you know, you get a beer in one pocket, beer in the other. If like girls got a purse, we're loading up the purse. Jackets put nice. in the inside pockets. Like nice. You're like the Russians in Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> but, Bottles of vodka. But I mean, like, yeah, I spent three weeks in Hungary. It's one of my favorite cities. I like. I went around. I saw some of the history and stuff. But um, so, so then compare those. Two months in Europe, whatever amount of countries, three weeks in Hungary as opposed to two days everywhere else. Which which one is uh, there's there's good to both of them, but which one do you like more now? Looking now, back? Uh, time in one place over that, but that's what I wanted to do at that time, so I don't regret that. Like no, no, I don't think yeah. I don't think anybody regrets it. Oh, it, it just changes the way you travel for sure. For but sure. my my thinking is the young guns come out and it's just. Just country hopping. And and it's a thing to have all these flags on your backpack. And you wow. But the same thing. If someone else has been in Europe for a year and took as much time as they want in each place, it's a, it's a completely different understanding of, I went to 62 places in, in, in Europe and Asia, but did two days each. Yeah. But, hey, if I have the chance, well, I, what, what do you think? I mean, that's part of mine. Paying the plane ticket to go to one place for... Four days. I just think. Well, I was going to say, what do you think? I would. I think the Koreans have a, a good. The new generation Koreans have a a good idea with the Handar Sargi, like living living somewhere for a month, and I think that that allows you to like when I did in, in Samui there, right? Mind you, a lot of it was was training, but I mean, you just you go in and you see the regular, and I think you you even have to kind of stay in one spot i don't know everyone's different man do what i like i would like to go a dream say like go to italy find a whatever town stay there for a month visit the same breakfast place have coffee learn a couple phrases yeah. interact Adapt with the people and just and just get that that feeling like when you come to korea you remember your first month here like walking around like just seeing how shit works and in, in seeing kind of the the That's rhythm the of the, I, I like the not pace, being the a vibe tourist. of the city. Yeah. yeah. I talked to all these Uzbek and Kazakh guys that I used to teach or teach, and they're like, oh, you're going to just it. No, no, no. I'm not going as a tourist. Mm. You're talking to me like I'm going there as this rich guy with all I'm not going there as a tourist. Mm. I'm not going to pay double the price. He's like, no, no, you can't. I said, listen, this is the techniques that I've worked in tens and tens of countries. And he's like, oh, yeah, that might work. I said, bottom of the end of the day, the taxi driver still got to put food on the table for his family. Hey, I'll walk. I don't care. Yeah. If you don't want the money, I'll walk. But it's, you know, everywhere we've been negotiating the prices. Here's the money. You, I'm not the French tourist coming in with, with pound or, or euros and has one week and I'm leaving and I want to buy the thing. I don't want to waste time. I got all the time in the world. Mm. And I'll walk by you four days in a row and, and find the market price. And, and I'll talk to your sister and your uncle and your brother. <laughs> and, and then the last day before I'm leaving, I'll come up and say, hey, here it is, 10 bucks. Take it or leave it. And, and I'm still paying more or they wouldn't take it, right? Mm. So it, it, I'm just not – I refuse to pay. If I paid the crazy prices when I traveled, you'd be paying double. Yeah. And your kids would be playing quadruple. I, you got to – nobody would ever pay – 10 times for a, for a Coke. You never pay $20 for a Coca-Cola. One, one then the, why would you for a souvenir? One of the first questions I ask when I get to a new place is, where do the locals go? Because mm. I don't want to... When I was in Dublin, it was like, <laughs> if I had to go to one place, 
everybody's like, go to Temple Bar, go to Temple Bar. Mm. I asked somebody on the street, should I go to Temple Bar? They're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, cool. And then I just walked into some random pub and like a three hour conversation with a few guys and like learned like, how to pour a pint of Guinness for the price of a pint of Guinness instead yeah. of paying 90 bucks to go sure. to the to the store. There's, there's something to be said though about, about visiting the, I guess Temple Bar is a... a Temple Bar is like the... Um, like oh, what what what's the equivalent? Like, it, it would probably it would be like um, Dundas Square, like that kind okay, of okay. yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but I think trips do should have a lot of planned and unplanned. Should have a lot of planned. Oh, there should be a balance between planned and unplanned. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to do a full like have no knowledge of, of anything going into a place and just being like, whoa, let, let me experience. Cause, cause <laughs> that, you could, cause you could miss a lot of, and, a lot of good shit. And, but you don't want the, you, on the other side, you don't want the Korean, like uh follow the flag tour. Yeah. Hey, right. I think the more research you do, the better trip you have. But people always say, how did you know to do this? How do you know to go? There? We were talking about them at hostels. How do you choose who to chum up with at hostels? Like, there, there's a few different guys, and the moochers are the guys I just can't oh, stand. Yeah, get off my ass, bud. I, I know, I've talked, I've reached out, I've read different, not just the Lonely Planet or, or Thor Guide or mm. whatever. And, and oh, that sounds good. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. No, you're not. You haven't done anything. <laughs> you're just following along. Like my, uh, I, don't, I don't want you coming on on all the stuff I'm doing. My, put some time. Put if you say, hey, I I found this really cool place for dinner. It's where the locals go. This okay. Hey, I'm going to this secret waterfall or cenote or something in Cozumel. You want to come? Sure. But there's guys that just linger around waiting for people, like not professional travelers, but guys who who know what they want to do or how to bargain and get good prices. And I said, I don't mind doing it sometimes because there are some introverts that aren't. I'm just happy they're out of their shell traveling and getting experiences. But I don't like when it's just you feel like they're mooching and. Okay, where are you going next? I'm going to Myanmar. Well, I'm going to Thailand. I never thought Okay, I'm going that. to Thailand too. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Listen, it ends here, buddy. You said you're going to Myanmar. Get the hell to Myanmar. I'm going to Thailand. <laughs> but uh, they follow. They follow. I mean, I, I had long, long trips. There's guys that will follow you for... There's all kinds. So, yeah, everybody, everybody's got, got their way. And I, I like that people are out trying and traveling. I don't mind helping people. Mm. I don't mind... I said the best one for me is... I'm going to Tokyo, you're going to Osaka, and I say, hey, this, don't do this. It's a waste of time. Yeah. Don't go so, here. And he says, hey, if you are go to this place, it's a really good sushi place. Mm. It's got a discount on Fridays. It's all you can eat for 20 bucks. Okay. Yeah. But don't follow me around for two months or something. Well, when, I, when I said unplanned, it doesn't mean like... Uh, like go like find someone and like I'm just gonna copy your plans. I mean, just <laughs> leave leave the leave the space open yeah. for something to happen. Like like you know, a like when you're teaching a, a class, man, you got you got stuff that's prepared and you got stuff that when you're gonna you're gonna go off on a, on a tangent, right? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No. Like whenever I travel, yeah. Um. Have an idea of what you want to do before you go. Mm. But some of the best things are like you're walking down the street and you see something that you think is pretty cool. And you just go in and you do it, or you like yeah. yeah. Um, probably the most recent example that I can think of is yesterday in uh, Jagalchi, the tower. We were like, oh, what's that? I've never seen that before, and mm. we found a way to get up, and we went in. Yeah, yeah. and like, well, that wasn't uh, play. We weren't like going down to Busan and saying, hey, we're gonna go to this tower. We're right, like, we're gonna go to the Ex- fish market. That's that's what yeah. I that's what I meant. And I find it or going for okay, Mokjang at eleven thirty on a Friday, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Saturday, whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, let's go for dinner. It's eleven thirty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but never. you know, some of the like the the favorite some of my like best friends that I met in hostels, right? We're like, what are you doing today? This, this, and this. You? Uh, this, this, and this. We'll meet up later for a drink? Sure. Oh, Go out, that's... do your own thing, come back, you know, have some beers, have a fantastic sure. night, and yeah. then... Do yeah. it again the next day. For sure. And then, where are you going? Oh, I'm going here, here, and here, but I'll be back here. Oh, I'll be... Like, if we're in the same area, we'll meet up again, but mm. it's not like, oh, let me follow you. Are you uh, Are you the youngest guy on the, on the European tour? <laughs> Um, the, the guys you're meeting in hostels, they're they're older, younger. Not same like age? okay. So there there are a lot of people. Most people that I meet are between like 23 and 28. From where? Are they North all, American? Are they all? Um, a lot of Americans. I've only met like a handful of Canadians, but mm-hmm. I meet more Americans than Canadians. But yeah. most people, they're either um, British, German, or Australian. Like yeah. Aussie, they, Aussies are good travelers. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Many Asians or no? Uh, like a few, a handful, but Chinese aren't out backpacking. I like, mean, out of northeast in the countries that have money for backpacking, it's not the the, the Japanese. I feel are the, still the best travelers. I mean, yeah. they're they're oh, like the, I I think just get out and travel. It doesn't have to be some massive trip, but like you got to go experience something else that isn't you know when your you, backyard, right? Like even Canada's a big country. Go out west. Go out east. Go up north. Like there's mm. so much to do. To just be sitting at home. Mm. Some, uh, you're Gen Z, and some of the biggest criticisms are, you know, lack of um, interpersonal skills, over-dependence on tech. When you are in a hostel, is it, is it like uh, how, how Nate Everybody remembers it or, or how everyone imagines it? Like you're sitting down, like you're sitting down cross-legged on the bed and, and, and like, oh, I did this today, I did that day. Or is it just a bunch of people kind of secluded jamming on their own um, phone? So, like, normally it's the common areas, you know, people, uh, you're eating your food and then strike up conversation, like, oh, uh, what would you do today? How long are you here? Where are you going yeah. after? And then... And people are generally... Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, if you're staying in a hostel, you can't be an introvert because it's okay. just like, you're going to meet other people. Cool. And it's like, yeah. But but when I went from my Asian tour to Central America, it was a 100% different vibe. And in Asia, it was relaxed and cool, and and everybody was kind of had the same, I don't know, same idea, or everybody kind of seemed on the same page. But when I got to Central America, it was it was vastly different, um, and the hostels were not. It wasn't just going say hi to anybody, and and everybody kind of had their own agenda or, or their own thing, which which is fine. But in Asia, it was kind of just way more chilled and relaxed and everybody was more approachable and you know you're sitting on the balconies in bali there and everybody's got tunes just hey man how's it going sit down let's go let's have a beer mm. and, and i thought man in central america it was just it was it was way different the the countries the safety the security everything um but especially in the hostels as well and i was gonna say a, a quick one i arrived in panama city I didn't know what I was doing. I just didn't want to. I wasn't coming back to Korea. And I had to kill six months. So I flew from mom and dad's in Florida. The cheapest flight was Panama City. I went to Panama City. And I got in there. And on the bulletin board, there was a guy that said, looking for travel mate to go to the Darien Gap or whatever. And for a five-day trip into the Darien Gap. And I was like, I don't know. what. The, I don't even know what. I don't even know what's in here. I, don't even, I just know I got to go north to here. But I said, okay, I'm in. 
as the follower, which I've I've never been the follower. I've always been the leader. And this guy ended up being a, an editor for Hustler Magazine, working remotely. Going to a gap. And I didn't even know what gap. I didn't even know what the Daring Gap was <laughs> until I got got out of there. And people were like, "Darian was well, yeah, the name." <laughs> I think the guy said. I think the guy said in the first day or two, he's like. Yeah, I had this up for five days and nobody answered. I'm just so glad I got someone to go with her. And I was like, what, like, what's, why don't people answer? Like, are they just not friendly or not? He's like, no, well, the people are a little bit scared and the reputation's not very good. I didn't even know where I was going with the FARC rebels and, and all the cocaine. I didn't know where I was going until I got out. And then I was like, holy shit, man. Um, so it was, yeah, that was a time I went and followed and, I'm just glad that guy had a little bit of an idea what he was doing because I had no idea. Sure. And it could have cost me my life maybe, but... Um, Holy... Yeah, sometimes sometimes it is good to latch on to somebody and go... Yeah. I just had to get my feet wet. I mean, I would have been fine. That was on the board. I thought, okay, adventure already. You know, you got a hundred bucks or something for five days? Sure, let's go. Yeah. Cool. Didn't didn't think of it. The uh, Gen Z is also criticized for having a lack of resilience. What are uh, what are some hardships you've encountered over traveling, and how did you overcome them? Um, hardships? That's gonna. I mean, uh, other than hangovers. I mean, have you yeah, like any um, any lost passports? Any? No, I'm no, lost. I'm racism, discrimination. There, there was one time in Belgium where I had to like I had an incident where I went a little too far off the beaten path, mm. and uh, mm. a couple of guys tried to take my shit, mm. and um, so I knocked him over and got away as fast as i could but other than that like i walked away with everything cool never lost my passports and stuff and good for you you know uh when you travel you're prepared like i scan my documents and my parents have copies of them so you know um cool just it's not knowing, like, in, not like the, in southeast asia knowing where the the consulates and stuff are embassies if you need help like but other than that not not particularly Hello, it's, mister. How are you? Good to see you. Oh, sexy boy. Oh, how are you? You come see me tonight. Okay, bye-bye. Where's my passport? Holy shit, where's my wallet? My camera? Huh. That was a 10-second drive-by. They got my wallet and my camera. And oh, all they man. did was pat me on the bum once and say I was sexy. I felt like the king. All of a sudden, my whole trip's ruined. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> that, that scenario happened so many freaking times to so many guys. Oh man! Hello, sexy boy. <laughs> God. Me, me, me? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Oh shit! I'm. Uh, they <laughs> love me to... here. I, I'm a god here. I just don't have my passport or wallet anymore. Oh man! Oh man! But uh, but no, I'd, I'd say the biggest thing is just kind of um, planning and logistics is where you're gonna go mm. and finding the cheapest way to do it. Sure. Like, I think I spent under six hundred bucks to get from here all the way back to osaka going through malaysia singapore thailand oh nice and like but that was you know two three hours of like okay i can go here and go here to here or i can go here to here and then here or like you so know mark he asked me he's like what does he do his parents are paying for this or you can't do no this, i pay this. for everything myself you can't do this, this there was this. one time so since i moved away when i was 17 there was one time that i had to ask my parents for money hmm. and it was when i was stranded in paris it was like 11 o'clock at night what I a was, story I was I sick like it already, yeah. <laughs> and um, it was just like, hey, um, I, I need some help. I just need a cab to get to my hostel before like midnight so I can check in like the 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 bus rear end or somebody rear ended the bus. So like there was a we were delayed for an hour while they sorted it yeah. out. And um, 
you know, I missed the last train by like five minutes. Yeah. So I was like, I just, I need a little help, like 20 bucks yeah. and I'll figure everything else out. Send me a hundred. And then like that lasted me for the rest of my trip. Sweet. So, like the, uh, no, he said, and I said, Marky, you're, you're drunk. I guarantee the flights are a hundred to two hundred bucks for flights. Well, because you don't no, have to fly on any. It's not, any nine, I carry all it's not yeah. nineteen eighty-seven anymore. I said, dude, you can get a place. You can fly I Toronto said, to Heathrow for for a hundred bucks at some mm, point. I, said, I I got a round trip flight from Toronto to Vancouver in February, like two weeks. Oh, that's like departure. five grand. Like a week before, no, oh. yeah, a week before departure. Yeah. Round trip Pearson to Vancouver, hundred and seventy bucks on flare. Jesus Christ. But so that, that's, that's incredible. Why, so I said, yeah. I said, listen, Mark, you're paying like maybe 10 bucks a night for a place to stay. No, that does. It's not when we went traveling. It's 2023. And then, uh, who? Jamesy, yeah. Southeast Asian King. And he says, no, in, in Cambodia, it's this. And then, uh, who else was sitting there? Uh, AJ, so AJ and Jeffy and, yeah. uh, Thailand, whoever was in Thailand recently said, you know, get a place on the beach. Jamesy, because he, he's still single and he still goes, get a place on the beach for 150 bucks for a month. And Marky's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah, you can get around cheap as pie, man. Yeah. In Thailand, I paid 300 bucks for like uh, uh, beer beer bungalows for uh, air con, beer TV, yeah. uh, fridge, little little mini cooking, uh, cooking station. Dollar fifty green chicken curries for lunch. Oh, yeah. But I, I said, like, hey, Marky, you work for two months at home. You make eight grand or 20 bucks an hour minimum wage. Like, you, come on. You could travel forever. Yeah. It's it's not expensive. Thank for you. sure. But I don't. I think that's just being out of it for so long. You still think it's expensive. Or now with families and kids, you feel you have to stay. Like, head on said, we're staying in hotels, right? I said, no, we are not staying in hotels. That means our trip can only be one week mm. if you want to stay in hotels. If we stay in guest houses, homestays, whatever, we get a, a cool experience. We can stay in a couple hotels, sure. But now we can do five weeks because we're not paying the hotel every night. Yeah. Is, a week, so, is a week enough for each country to experience? Or are you, um, no, I'm asking Nate. Oh. <laughs> we're there? Yeah. Well, we got five weeks for three three countries, but... I thought you got five countries. Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, maybe Tajikistan. Oh, okay. But... I same. I mean, half of them are, are desert. There's, there's not, there's not so much you can do in some of these places. Mm. Hey, I don't mind it. Like Togo, Benin, they're right next to each other. They're a quarter of the size of Korea. There's not a lot to it, and, and I mean, it's like going from Ulsan to Busan. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot that changes between Ulsan and Busan. So in Europe, I said the small country is fine. I mean, you can you can buzz through a couple, and they're very similar, but. Uh, yeah, there are places where that's necessary and other places where it's not. Yeah. I mean, Canada and the States, if you were in Seattle or Vancouver, is it is it that different? Yeah, that's true. I mean, so, yeah, if you did two days in Seattle and, and ten in Vancouver or opposite, I think you understand both places. Yeah. Well, um, no, they're, they're very similar, but for me it was just like, you know, uh, I was born there, but I hadn't been back since. Like, my parents moved to Vancouver when I was like, not even three months. Mm. And then we moved to Ontario before I was like six months. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So for me, it was just, oh, I, I'm going to be in Vancouver. It's like 50 bucks for a four hour bus ride. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. I'm there. Might and, well. um, it was awesome, but it's not that different. Mm. What, what, uh, 
the flag changes. That's it. Mm. Back to the hostel stuff. When you get into a hostel, I think I learned how to read people really, really well. Yeah. Did you? But I think when I started traveling, I had some judgments or some preconceived notions that maybe I had to I had to check at the door when I started going to these places. What is, what was it like for you? Did you have judgments of of different people? And like we laugh, we're in Russia, me and PD, and there's a there's a girl sitting there doing this, and we're like, oh, hundred percent Korean. And, and, you know, then it's just, oh, we already know who she is. We, we have no idea who she is. Right. And, and the fact that she's in Russia by herself in a hostel is completely against the stereotype of what, you know, a Korean traveler or whatever is like. So um, we went over, said hi, whatever. We ended up being good buddies and going out and hanging out. But did you did you develop any judgments? Did you, did you learn how to read people better uh, when you started, you know, jumping I, around all these places? I, I wouldn't say, like, judgments, but... You know, um, I just go in and a person's a person. Everybody's different. Like, you know, people probably judge me as a Canadian. They think I'm going to be one way and then I might might live up to their expectations. I might not. Like, you don't know unless you talk to people. And sure, it's sure. not really fair to go in thinking one thing and then... And I found the more the more people I meet from different places, the more you realize you're all the same. For sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like, but I also realized the more stereotypes get dispelled... The more stereotypes are created, <laughs> the 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 Israelis in Thailand with the durians. Oh, I, mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you went to a place and you found out that half the occupants were Israelis, many people would just leave Why? because because they eat durians. Okay, Do and durian? they smell like a stink bomb. Oh, it's a it's a fruit, dude. It'll it throw off your like whole trip. Ass. Okay, so oh. so so then. As you keep traveling around Southeast Asia and you see all these hotels that say no durians allowed. And that means we don't, basically it means we don't accept the Israelis, which, or, or they'll say no shisha or hookah or, I mean, they, they all have different ones. But if your business was there, you either have to kind of go all in on the durian or all out like, because, because other people don't want to be around it. Hey, it's fuel. Is it really that bad? Yeah. You've never smelled one. Yeah, they are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> one, how about 30? Oh, like, yeah. So, but listen, I mean, it's bad enough that people put signs up saying no durians. But it, it is the reason that we have such a, and I say we because I'm part of it. It's the reason we have such a strong bobsled team. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, the, so so uh, I mean, those were. I have very fond memories of of new water. You know, oh, things. I, I didn't know much about British people before I started traveling a lot. And then, man, doing the Southeast Asia tour there and seeing them all on Gap here, I mean, it, it was hilarious. Yeah, like they would go to the PC rooms and say, "Mom, I met Sally. Oh, she's here with Jill and Betty." And and, and you know, I would go in there once a week to send emails and messages and say I'm alive and I'm okay and yeah. this is where I'm going to next or to find out what visa I need or whatever. These, these guys. I can't, I can't have a drink now. I got to go and, and talk to my Betty back home or Sally or, and, and they would meet their friends. Like, I just, you know, they would leave the UK and they would come and they'd meet all their buddies from the UK in different places. I mean, that's kind of awesome though. Like, and part, parts of it is, but, but this was something that I had to learn to, okay, the British gap year people travel like this. The, the European backpackers are really wild because, you know, they can travel around Europe, but once they get to Asia, it's, you know, out of their comfort zone. Yeah. The Aussies are very just 
freestyle, go anywhere, do anything open-minded. Um, so, so you you learn what people's tendencies are, what they're like. Uh, the Japanese were were partiers, ravers, surfers, and just a whole lot of fun. Um, so, as much as I learned these things were wrong about people and stereotypes, I also probably a few other ones formed throughout the trip. And I just think of certain things like that, the durians and stuff, nice. where they stand out. Moving, uh, moving on here. You got to balance soon, eh? It's ten thirty. Yeah. All right. Oh. Moving, uh, moving on here to uh, to future. I think film school. Yeah, is that's in, uh, that's something I'm I'm looking at doing for sure. Um, nice. I got a couple opportunities uh, back home that I'm trying to that I'm secured and stuff for when I go back home. Sure. But, um, what's the What's the draw to that? Do you have any any draw? Oh no! Do you have any experience with it? What makes you no? What makes uh, you get into no that? experience. I mean, I've uh, been cool. taking photos since I was like a kid, right? Oh, nice. And, um, you know, I've I've got a good eye for photography, and I love movies. So it's just a way for me to put the like the two together. Nice. And um, it's just it seems awesome. Like the the lifestyle, it's it's grueling. Like being on a set is is a lot of work, but. Yeah. It's also a lot of fun as well, and I think, yeah. Well, but I mean, in, in traditional film, I think the work-life balance, yeah, it would be would be very difficult and limited prospects for it's, for work. But dude, it, now you, you can you can oh, do anything. It's it's very very competitive. So you gotta. But you don't have to do the traditional. No, uh, no, yeah, uh, I can, traditional way. Right? You can go in and just get a bunch of experience and mm. not go to school for it, and then people will hire you because you've been on like X number of sets or sure. like you have mm. so many credits to your name as like a DP or something. Yeah. But so. Yeah, that's awesome, man. What uh, what kind of movies are you into? Anything, but like lately, I've kind of been more into. Um, Please say horror. Please say horror. Uh, no, not a big horror. No, guy. not a big horror guy. Like you know the classics, like Poltergeist and the seventies Exorcist oh, right, and right. stuff. Like you know that's that's cool. Mm. But um, no, like I can't. I can't do that kind of stuff. I won't like. Not doesn't scare me. You know it's fake and stuff. <laughs> yeah. but I, I won't sleep for three days. Sure, 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 sure. Like no. What, I, what do you do? What kind of? I'm more into like um, drama, is like art, art house, and you know, kind of independent stuff like but give me a good raunchy comedy any day and like right. have a couple beers have some popcorn just nice. like laugh at some stupid shit cool what's the dream director of photography like being the guy that line up shots and you know walking around and scouting locations and you know just yeah cool yeah dude you're 21 you can do it oh for sure there's no there's no reason you're not going to come back here for TKL number 201. Oh, that's probably too At the soon. Busan Film Festival. At the Busan Film Festival, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that would be awesome. Like, I just, I just want to do something that I love to do and something that, you know, I don't feel like I'm waking up and going to work. Like, mm. I think everybody wants to find that. But for me, like, it's not about money. It's about doing something that you want not and, not yeah. waking up every day and going oh gotta go to work yeah oh. and like that's that's why um that's why i travel it's because this is something i want to do good for you and man. um it's a better education than you would have oh, gotten for sure your three and years of physio you'll always you'll always make your money back sure you will never be like 20 21 going through all these places again absolutely you can always go back to school exactly yeah. you can always change careers you can always but do this you, yeah due to health due to pandemics due to whatever that the ability to travel might i mean i feel horrible for the guys whose 
dream trip was during Corona and they had to cancel. And now, you know, they've spent that money and now they can't even go. Mm. The guy lost his job, can't, you know, doesn't, doesn't have the resources now. And all of a sudden it's good. That's why I say just, just, I just keep traveling and, and keep it going as best I can because you never know when it comes to an end. For sure. If not now, when? And, so. and I mean, I mean, for us, I mean, a kid gets sick, expend, sure. you know, expend all our resources on that. All of a sudden traveling is not an option. Yeah. So. No doubt. Awesome. Dude, you got to get to, uh, you got to get to work. Anything else? No. No, you're good. We're good. Yeah. Man, just keep trucking, keep trucking along. I, I, and I say, you'll, you know, you'll find places you enjoy, places you don't. And uh, you'll find your, your style of travel. And I, I think that's one of the main reasons I, I love it is I think it inspires people and opens people's minds to, you know, what it is when you see the Kim Jong-un stuff on the news, you won't think, hey, I've been there. There's Nobody know, even knows, doesn't even make the news. Yeah. Um, when you go up to the DMZ, you know, Trump's there. Shit, I was there, man. Um, but it gives you an understanding of the world and, and cultures and religions. And like Bryce said, we're, we're all just one. eventually it comes back to we're all just one and all these borders and lines and boxes are all just bullshit it's just what we put on ourselves um if i could just one more one more thing to to that point when i was in israel i went uh in 2019 for a week with a group from my school that was that was one of those things where you have it's notoriously like politically contested but you have the three biggest monotheistic religions in the world in a country smaller than new jersey like Mm -hmm. You know, when you have Judaism, Christianity, and Islam like that close together, it doesn't matter what religion you are, you're still going to be in close quarters with everyone else. So, like, as soon as you realize it's just, you're just people and, like, you know, it's... But when I go to church, I'm not Catholic. Um, when I go to church, it's kind of cool because I can just, you know, hear about the, the stories of the miracles and stuff and say, like, yeah, I've been there. Like, now it's just a pile of rocks on the side of a hill, but yeah. I've been there. Yeah, man. It puts things into context. That's the and problem. and and at the same time, when I go home and go to church, I'm like, yeah, I haven't been in a while, and I, I forget some of these stories. But I've been in the Muslim countries for this much, and the Buddhist countries for this long, and and now I also question what religion is or who the gods are, or what and, and by all means, to each their own. But that's another part of travel that opens you up to, oh, everybody doesn't use a fork and a knife. Wow, and these guys eat with their hands, and everybody, it's normal, everyone does it. These guys only use chopsticks, wow. It really opens you up to to everything, oh. and, and understanding that we are all the same, but we are all different, and, and nobody's way is right. N- nobody's way is right. No one's got a perfect country, no one's got a you know perfect religion, and, and hey, do what you want, do what you love, but be respectful of others. For sure, for sure. Mr. Mooney, thank you for coming in. I'm glad to uh, have uh, met you on part of your uh, trip here. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Wish you the best in the future. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.